Good morning, church. Man, I love a time to laugh, and I'm really excited to get to bring the word of the Lord to you guys this morning, and in case you don't know who I am, my name is Minister Aaron Malmquist, and I've been attending Cornerstone since I was four years old, uh, so that's 18 years. Some of you maybe have taught me when I was in the train room, uh, or maybe in the rainforest room, or the kids on the rock, or, or in Ignited, and I remember the first time that I ever came to Cornerstone. And it was really awesome because we were roasting marshmallows in church. And I thought, I got to be at this church. They're roasting marshmallows, except the only problem was, is I'm a, I'm a burner when it comes to marshmallows roasting. You know, I like to burn my marshmallow and the fire wasn't real. It was just like a little, I don't even know what it was, but it was like hot. So you could toast it a little bit, but I couldn't burn it but it was still good enough that I wanted to keep coming back. And uh, what a treat it is to be able to get to preach at my home church, to grow up through Kids on the Rock, and then Ignited in the Ignited Ministry Academy. And what an honor it is to be able to preach to you guys this morning in the main house now for the first time. And the title of my message this morning, if you're taking notes, write this down. And if you're not taking notes, write this down anyway to help you remember better. It's this, is whose kid are you? Whose kid are you? I remember about seven years ago, we had a family reunion on my dad's side of the family, which is really unusual because I think that's the only time it's ever happened in my whole life. And outside of like my, my cousins and my aunts and uncles on my dad's side of the family, I don't know any of them. Anybody else, you guys have a family like that? You're like, I know my cousins and that's about it. And so there was people there that I've never met before in my entire life. I have no idea who these people are. And they're coming up to me, and this is how they would kind of figure out who everybody was. The, the older people that were there, they would come up to all the younger kids, and they would go, now whose kid are you? And then they would usually follow it up if they were talking to me, and they would say, are you Freddy's boy? Because that's how they, they all know my dad is Freddy. And so they're are you Freddy's boy? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm Freddy's boy. How'd you know? And they're like, well, I could just tell. You just, you look like him. You talk like him and you walk like him. But my question to you this morning, church, is whose kid are you? If somebody were to look at your life right now, the way that you are living your life, would they be able to tell that you are a son and a daughter of the king of kings, of the Lord of lords? And does your life so proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ that you don't even have to tell anybody, I'm a Christian. They can just look at your life and, oh yeah, that's a son. That's a daughter of the king of kings. Well, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. How do we create and how do we live a life that people know whose kid we are? And to do that, we're going to take a look at a command that Jesus gave in the gospel of John. And then we're going to look at some letters that Paul wrote to the churches in Galatians and in Philippi. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. It's a well-known passage of scripture. And I think it's... It's a scripture that we quote a lot, but sometimes we miss a little bit of what Jesus was saying here. So in verse 34, he says this, and let me set the stage a little bit. Jesus is about to be crucified on the cross. He's about to be surrendered over to, to, to Pilate and to the, the Romans as they're going to crucify him. He's going to go to the cross willingly. But he has a moment with his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. And John records this conversation that we don't get to see in the other four Gospels. And John gives us insight as to what Jesus, his kind of last teaching that he leaves his disciples with. 
And this is what he says in verse 34. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. By this, by the way that we love one another. That's how the world will see that we are disciples of Jesus. And I think we really, really like this verse until we realize that the way that Jesus loved his disciples and the way that Jesus loved us was a crazy, sacrificial kind of love. The way that he loved his disciples was by the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He went and he joyfully had nails driven through his hands and endured the Roman scourge with a crown of thorns on his head. And he hung on a cross so that I could, uh, so I could never go to hell, so I could go to heaven for all of eternity. He did it for me because he loved me. And now he says, love one another like that. Love one another like that. See, because we're really good at loving people who think like us. We're really good at loving people who, who we like. But Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. He died for the whole world. He died for every single person. And so how do we, as humans, have that kind of love? Well, I got good news. Jesus didn't leave us hanging. He continued the conversation with his disciples. And he continues it in chapter 14. He says, uh, I see here in verse, in verse 6. So this is, this is the same conversation. I know it's a different chapter, but we're the ones, we put those chapters and numbers in there so we could find stuff easier. But this is the same conversation. Just a few moments later, he's saying this to his disciples. He says, Jesus answered, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do not know, you do know him and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. But Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The word says, or the world says, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe in the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now check out these, these next two verses. These are important. For if you love me, keep my commands. Which commands? The ones he just gave us in 13. To love each other. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. So how do you keep that command of Jesus to love one another? 
It is by the power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. See, when you truly have a life-changing transformation, when Jesus has truly become the Lord of your life, the Holy Spirit is now living on the inside of you, and that should change the way that you interact with the world. People should be able to see just like they've seen in Jesus. So, you know, I was getting to verse 15, 16, and 17, but I wanted to read the beginning of that chapter because we see that Jesus is telling his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father because I love as the Father loves, and now he's calling us to love in the same manner so that when the world sees you, they see the Heavenly Father. You know, I'm, I'm not a dad, but I have a dad, and I'm a son, and I was thinking about just that the relationship that I have with my dad and there's things that I do that I wasn't really taught but I've just been around my dad so long that I've picked up things that he does and people notice sometimes I don't even notice but people notice like one thing is my dad is the youngest of six kids so growing up if he wanted food he had to eat very fast and but I'm the oldest of four kids but I promise you put a Food, a plate of food in front of me. I eat very fast. Maybe not so much in public, but if it's behind closed doors, I'm just, that spoon becomes a shovel. You know what I'm saying? Just, I eat maybe even faster than my dad does now. Nobody taught me that, but I was just around him so often, watching him do it, that I began to pick it up. There's another thing that my dad does. My dad's a great bass fisherman, and he's been bass fishing since he was a teenager. And he has all of his, his gear, and he'll get it out usually once a year, and he'll lay it all out on the table, and he'll put a towel out, and he'll slowly take apart each fishing reel and clean it and lay it all out in order and then put it back together. And the one day, one of my rods had a problem, and so I, what did I do? I, he never taught me how to do this, but I got out a towel and I laid it on the kitchen table and started taking everything apart and laying it out in order. And then I cleaned it up and I put it back together. Nobody taught me how to do that. I was just in his presence so often that I picked up parts of his character. And let me ask you, church, are you around the Holy Spirit so often that you begin to pick up the character of God, that when people see you, they see the evidence that you are a son or a daughter of the Most High God? Are you around his presence? Are you in church? Are you in his word daily? Are you just worshiping him daily? Are you in his presence where you pick up the character of who God is? That's how people will know whose kid you are. So I have three steps this morning of how you live out this life, how you live out this command that Jesus gave. And I'm going to pull these from Paul's letters, first to the church in Galatia and then to the church in Philippi. And I love the, how, the, how the Bible just works together because Jesus gives this command and he tells us it's by the Holy Spirit we can live it out. And then Paul later, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes to the churches who are having some problems because we're all human and he kind of explains it out a little bit. How many of you guys need some help sometimes? Explain, you need some things explained to you? Okay, me too. My hand's raised. And so this is exactly what Paul does. The first thing is to live in step. Live in step, in step with the Holy Spirit, in step with the Holy Spirit. Check out what the Bible says in Galatians five sixteen through 25. It says, so I walk by the Spirit, 
And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. What is contrary, and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that you do not do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Now check this out. For those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now, what does this mean to keep in step with the Spirit? I think keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, this is between you and God. This has nothing to do with anyone else, but this is your relationship with God. This is the getting into the Word daily. This is the the worship daily, the prayer daily. It's the, it's the just being in God's presence so that when you go out into the world, the fruit of the Spirit that he's talking about is what shows up. But you can't have the fruit of that Spirit unless you keep in step with the Spirit. And I think a lot of times we, we have an area in our life that we are okay with kind of keeping in the dark a little bit. We'll walk with the Spirit as long as the Spirit doesn't take us there. Because I, I kind of like this area of my life without the Holy Spirit having to, to come in and, and clean things out and bring in something new. But check out what the Bible says in Hosea 10, verse 12. It says, then break up your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. You know, sometimes there is areas in our life that we are uncomfortable with revealing to the Holy Spirit, not revealing to the Holy Spirit, he knows what's going on in your heart, but we're, we're uncomfortable with going there with the Holy Spirit because we know the Holy Spirit is not, this is living with the flesh. This is my flesh part of me, and if the Holy Spirit goes there, if he takes me there, he's going to have to start to bring things out. You know, for two years before I was on staff here at Cornerstone, I worked as a farmhand, and uh, I, I loved working on this farm, but some days, man, some days were just just brutal. And I remember last summer, there was a day we went to this field. It was a brand new field that had never been plowed or not in years and years. And we we're going to plant hay in this field. And we got there and we discovered the field was full of rocks, full of rocks. We started to plow it up and just rocks were just getting turned up everywhere. And for three days, all we did for three days was pick up rocks we put the tractor, we wouldn't even, there wouldn't even be somebody driving the tractor. There's so many rocks, we need all hands on deck. We'd put it in gear, and we'd just walk, picking up rocks, put in the bucket, picking up rocks, put in the bucket for three days. We had to work 
up the unplowed ground. We had to make it fertile. We had to do the work so then the next year we could plant the seed and reap a harvest. But there never would have been a hay harvest in that field if first we didn't go in and remove the rocks. And maybe there's an area in your life that the Holy Spirit has been has been touching on. The Holy Spirit says, hey, you, you're doing great over here, but there's an area that you're not letting me do my work. And the Bible says you need to go and you need to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to plow up that unplowed ground in your life. That's how you keep in step with the Holy Spirit. It's between you and God. You allow him to get into that area of your life that maybe nobody else knows about, but you allow him to begin to work in that area, that unplowed ground. Begin to pick up those rocks and put it in the bucket so that in the future you can reap the harvest of righteousness. So step number one is you live in step. Step number two, and this might kind of seem like it's repeating itself, but it's to conduct yourself. And we see that Paul is writing to the Philippian church. And he says this in Philippians 1, 27. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith in the gospel. You know, living in step is between you and God. Conducting yourself, that's between you and the rest of the world. This fruit that Paul talks about in Galatians, it shows up when you're conducting yourself with the world. It shows up when you can, it, it, it starts, the roots for it are grown just between you and God. The roots for it begin when you're submitting and walking in step with the Holy Spirit, but the fruit shows up when you're interacting with other people. And Paul says, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That means no matter what you're doing, realize that the Holy Spirit is living on the inside of you. So no matter what you're doing, the Holy Spirit is right there with you doing it. Is whatever you are doing worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is whatever you are doing? That's kind of a scary thought. Because sometimes I know whatever I am doing Maybe it doesn't always line up with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm still a work in progress. God is still working things in me and working things out of me. But if you realize that the Holy Spirit is living on the inside of you, and everything that you do, whatever you do, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, when I was 18 years old, I went down to Kansas on a trip after I graduated from high school and I was excited to go on this trip and I was in the Ignited Ministry Academy at this time and so I was just getting poured into, filled up by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was working things in my life and I went down to Kansas and I'm there and on the first day I was, I was predator hunting down there and the first day my guide, we we're getting up from a, from a sit and my guide says, hey, do you drink? I said, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm 18. And he goes, what, you're 18? Okay. And then we keep walking like two more minutes later. He's like, well, I know you're 18, but, you know, still, do you drink? I was like, no, no, I, I don't drink. You know, I, I'm part of this ministry academy, and I, I, I signed a, a waiver or a commitment at the beginning saying that I wouldn't drink, and plus I'm 18, I'm not going to drink. I said, okay, okay. And then every single day, 
when I was there, I was there for like five days. Every single day, all of the guys in the lodge kept offering me beer and whiskey. Every day. Like, oh, there's beer in the garage. Hey, there's whiskey over there if you want a shot. And every single time I said no. But it was because for years I had had the Holy Spirit working in me so that when I was around a situation, when the opportunity arose for the fruit of the Spirit to come out of me, what came out was the fruit of the Spirit, but it wouldn't have come out if I hadn't been constantly in the presence of God, if it wouldn't have come out, if I wouldn't have been constantly in the Word, but because I had a solid foundation, the fruit of the Spirit is what came out when there was an opportunity for me to operate in the, in the fruits of the flesh. Instead, I operated in the fruit of the spirit. And I want to challenge you, are you every day conducting yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you conduct yourself in a manner worthy? And here's the thing, people notice the way that you act in your workplace, in your home, whether you realize it or not. You know, I don't think my dad ever thought to himself, you know, I'm just going to do all of these things with my fishing rods so that one day when my boys have a problem with their fishing rods, they can do exactly what I did. I don't think he thought that. He just did it. He was just doing what he does. But I was watching. People are watching. Your kids are watching. you. Your employees, your employer, they're watching you. How are you conducting yourself? Is it in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ? So how do you live out this command of Jesus? Number one is to live in step. Number two is to conduct yourself. And number three is it's not by works, but walk it out. See, I love the message that Pastor Luke preached last week that we need to be doers of the word. See, we can never earn our salvation There is nothing that I could ever do to be good enough to earn my salvation. However, when I know that Jesus went to the cross, that he made a way for me where there would never have been a way, I could never earn my way into heaven, but he willingly sacrificed his life for mine on the cross. I now want to and choose to live in a way that I will love every other person because of how he first loved me. I will choose to walk out my faith because I know that I have an obligation. Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. And so therefore now I choose to let every person that I know that I come in contact with, that my life has been changed. I live differently because I have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me. Come on, do you walk it out? Because when you walk it out, people notice. It's not by works, I'm not trying to earn it. But I just walk it out because Jesus is on the inside of me now. It's my joy and privilege to walk it out because of what he did for me. Check out Galatians 5, 1 through 6. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Come on, that's a good verse. Stand firm then, and do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised. Let me pause for a second. See, the church in Galatians was having a problem. They were wanting to go back to the old way. They were wanting to go back to the law. This, this when Paul's talking about circumcision, he's talking about going back. He's talking about a works-based system. 
He's talking about a works-based earning your salvation. And so he says, don't go back to that works-based system. That's what he's talking about. He says, mark my words, I Paul tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we have eagerly awaited by faith the righteousness for which we hope. Check this out. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Faith expressing itself through love. See, Jesus said to love one another as I have loved you. He loved us sacrificially. And now because I have faith in Jesus, I choose to express that faith in love. Not because I'm obligated to, because I think I need to earn my salvation, but because I have been set free for freedom's sake. And so I will express my faith in love. Come on, church, we have been set free for freedom's sake. So let us express our faith in love. See, you can't earn your salvation, but when you are saved, you have that Holy Spirit power. It's living inside of you. And now you can walk it out. Now you can walk it out. Sometimes, you know, I'm the youth pastor at Cor- or the youth minister at Cornerstone Church, not the pastor yet, but youth minister at Cornerstone Church. And sometimes loving those teenagers that come through our doors can be difficult sometimes. You know, when, when the teenagers on the buses are cussing you out, it's not easy to love them. When you catch the teenagers vaping in the bathroom, sometimes it's not easy to love them. When the teenagers are standing up in the middle of service and stomping their way out of the service because they don't like something you said, it's not easy to love them. But I get the great privilege every single week to get to love on these teenagers. And like I said, it's not always easy. But let me tell you, it's worth it. When you can get through and you can push through and just love the people. You know, there was a student that started coming to Ignited when I was an, an IMA student, and I started riding the Highland bus route. And we'd pick up this student at Highland Greens. And when we first started picking him up, he was in seventh grade, and let me tell you, he was one of those students that it was hard to love. It was, he was hard to love. But I just kept loving on him. For some reason, I felt like the Holy Spirit was just drawing me to this kid, just keep loving on this kid. And then at the end of the school year, I told him, I said, hey, if you ever need anything, let me know. And I gave him my phone number. And then all summer, he was calling me, hey, can you give me a ride? I don't know. My parents can't drive me anywhere. Can you give me a ride? Like, to where? To downtown Milford, to this person's house, to where? I started giving this kid rides. Sometimes I didn't even know what he was doing sometimes. I just give him a ride. And I just talked to him about Jesus in the car. And then I started giving him a ride to church. He said, hey, I want, can you, I want to go to this, this house party at Pastor Ben's house. Can you drive me? Yeah, sure. And I started, just kept loving on this kid. And for years, I loved on this kid. And then one time, I convinced him that he should come to the switch. It's a weekend intensive encounter with the Holy Spirit that we have for our ignited students. And at that weekend, he got on fire for Jesus Christ. 
And uh, his name is Sailor Joslin, and now he's one of our student leaders here in Ignited. He serves in Ignited every single week and just showing love to the kids that once were just like him. And I believe his transformation began to start when the Holy Spirit gave me a soft spot in my heart for this student. Who has God called you to love with that unconditional love? Who has God called you to love with that unconditional, sacrificial love? The Holy Spirit will give you boldness to love somebody. Because trust me, sometimes it's not easy. But the Holy Spirit will give you that boldness to love somebody. So even sometimes somebody you've never met. I remember my very first missions trip. I was 15 years old and I went to Honduras one day, or one day, one nation, one day. Come on. It was an awesome trip, and I was 15, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to kind of watch. And I'm going to be a part of, like, the little ministry groups, but, but God, I don't really want to have to speak in front of a bunch of people. And uh, the Holy Spirit did not honor that prayer. As a matter of fact, the last day, I made it to the last day of ministry without ever having a, a microphone in my hand, just doing small group ministry. And then the last day... Pastor Ben was my, my big group leader, and his wife Debbie was, uh, was my group leader for the, there's like four or five of us, and Pastor Ben got up on the bus early that morning. He said, hey, we're going to a big ministry site today. Who wants to cast the net? Let me know on the way to the bus. And I looked at, at Debbie Block. She was sitting right next to me, and I said, oh, I'll do it. I was like, why did you say that? Now you're going to have to talk in front of people on the microphone. And then she goes, oh, Ben, Aaron's going to do it. And I was like, oh, okay, here we go. And, you know, Pastor Ben, he's just so excited. And he's like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. Aaron's going to cast the net, like announces it to the whole bus. Now, everybody knows I'm casting the net at this ministry site. I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. And we get to the ministry site. It's one of the biggest ones we've been to all week. There's like 700 kids. They're all in high school. Most of them are older than me. I'm like, oh, boy. Okay, here we go. And I walked out off the bus and I walked into this auditorium and I seen these hundreds and hundreds of teenagers that I've never met before in my entire life. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit filled me with a love for these students that I had never met. And he gave me a boldness that I never would have had on my own to go and to preach the gospel to them, to show them the love of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit will give you boldness to go and to love people. The Holy Spirit will give you boldness to love people. And I want to close this service with this question. Maybe there's an area in your life, one of these three that I've been talking about, that you need some some work in. Maybe it's the personal relationship between you and the Holy Spirit. You're not dying to yourself daily. You know, it's great to worship in church. Corporate worship is one of the the greatest weapons that we have against the enemy. But also private worship, when nobody's watching. That private devotion, getting into the word, when nobody else knows what you're doing. That prayer life that you have when nobody else sees. Maybe you need to work on that relationship, walking in step. Maybe there's some unplowed ground in your heart that you feel like the Holy Spirit needs to plow up. You need to begin to pull up those rocks and make a way for the fruit of righteousness in your life. 
or maybe it's conducting yourself. You have a, a solid relationship with God, but as soon as you get out in public, you're not conducting yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. Or maybe you are around one group, but then you get around your work friends and everything changes. Conducting yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. Or maybe you've been trying to earn God's love and you just need to walk it out. He already died for you. He already loves you so much and you just need to walk it out. Well, let me pray for you, church. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that every single one of us, God, that you would be touching our heart, that you would be putting your finger on that area in our life that we need to work on. God, that you would be stirring up in us a passion to live for Jesus Christ. That you would be stirring up a passion in us to live in step with your Holy Spirit. To die daily to ourselves, to take up that cross daily to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel and to walk out the faith in love that you have given us. Lord, I pray that we would be a people, we would be a church, that when people look at us, there would be no question whose kid we are. We are sons and we are daughters of the one true God. We are sons and we are daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And since I know who my daddy is, I am going to live a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that we would walk it out every single day. People would look at us and they would say, that's a child of God. And I want to be like that. Church, I want to ask you one more question. Maybe you're here today and you don't have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I've been talking all morning about how when you have that personal relationship, you can begin to live a life from the Holy Spirit. But maybe you're sitting there and you don't have that relationship with Jesus. But today you want to. Let me tell you, 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and he willingly, for the joy set before him, gave up his life on the cross. But he didn't stay dead. Church, three days later, he rose from the grave. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. And now he sits forever making intercession for us at the right hand of the Father. And he did it all because he loves you. And if you want to give your life to that Savior, if you want to give your life to that King, and begin to serve him from this day forward. Church, would you just raise your hand? If you're here this morning, say, Aaron, I want to live that life. I want to live that life. Just raise your hand right now. Raise it up high so I can see it. I don't want to miss anybody. All right, church, I don't see any hands. Well, man, it was awesome getting to be with you guys this morning. Thank you so much for just being a great church body this morning. Thank you so much, Pastor Tim, for the great privilege and honor to get to preach at my home church for the first time. And I think now we're going to worship. So we've been talking about living in step with the Holy Spirit. Let's put it into practice right now. How's that sound? How's that sound? We just, we just enter into the presence of God, you know? We just enter into the presence of God. Come on, let's worship. <laughs> 